Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Kelly Driscoll. In this episode, you'll hear part one of my conversation with Jill Flanders Crosby from University of Alaska Anchorage. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Kelly Driscoll, and I'm very pleased to welcome Jill Flanders Crosby, professor in the Department of Theater and Dance at University of Alaska Anchorage. Hello, Jill. Hi, how are you? I'm good. It's so great to have you here today. Uh, So I wanted to give a little shout out (laughs) as we begin our conversation uh, to Paul Wasco, who introduced us, and he does such a wonderful job of connecting me with incredible educators and remarkable students, just like you and your students, and uh, I remember so clearly the ePortfolio showcase that you graciously invited me to and what a joyful time it was to learn more about your work and the work of your students and the just beautiful people that they are. And I'm just so excited to have the chance to share who you are and what you do and what your students do with a a broader audience. So thank you so much for your, your time today and joining Digication Scholars. My honor. Thank you. So I wanted to kick things off today, Jill. Uh, You were so sweet because when we invited you to this conversation, you immediately started thinking about student portfolios that you wanted to highlight. And I can't wait to hear you talk about that. But before we do, I wanted to be sure we also spent some time highlighting the incredible educator that you are. And this is important to me because one of the things that I have learned about you through this introduction and seeing the portfolio showcase is you clearly have a very strong connection with your students. And I could see that in the way that they talked about and valued the work that they are doing in your courses and the incredible amount of work and creativity that they brought to the work that they were doing in your course. And I find that that happens most often when they have a very strong connection to their their teachers and their mentors. So I wanted to start our conversation today uh, with learning a little bit about how dance and then the, the teaching of dance became your calling. Ooh. Well, <laughs> let's see. Let's so, get into it. <laughs> so I'll say one. Th- I'll say one thing real quick about the students at University of Alaska Anchorage. We are both 
fortunate and in some ways that can, you know, be a problem when universities value number of students over quality of education. Mm. But we're very fortunate that the department is small enough such that we are able, I and, and my former colleague were able to form very close one-on-one bonds with our students because we had the time to really be with them and to really share with them. And in the smaller department, the students, every, you know, graduating class or every group we have moving through the department has the ability to really be very intimate with each other. And I think a second part of that is living in Alaska it's not that we're remote by any chance, but it's not easy for our students just to drive across the border, you know, from, right. say, uh, Louisville down to Nashville or from Los Angeles down to San Diego to see a dance concert. So there is this deeper need, I think, for the students to really stay close together. In terms of me and my calling, my root is is a very interesting one. I, I grew up as a dancer. I was always a dancer. And dancing was my passion. And as a young girl, I, um, as the way many women got to Alaska, I met my now ex-husband outside when we were working outdoor drama in Berea, Kentucky, of all places. And he had <laughs> driven down from Alaska in a VW van and we met and fell in love. And I wound up, you know, we got married before we went back up to Alaska. So my earlier years, I had always said, I will never teach. I will never teach. I will never teach. I'm a dancer. (laughs) But when I got to Alaska, the only avenue I had that made sense to me to still keep dancing was to show up to my local community college. And I said, Mm. you know, would you like a dance teacher? And at that time there was already one other dance teacher teaching classes at what was then known as um, 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 Anchorage Community Campus or Anchorage Community College. I can't quite, ACC, I can't quite remember. It's been so long ago. And they readily said, sure. And so I had a very fortunate door open to walk in because it was a a fairly new um, community college. And at that point, it's not that degrees didn't matter, but they could see that I knew what I was doing and that I could dance and I had the ability to teach. And as I was going through all my years, I began to realize how much I really enjoyed that process Mm -hmm. of teaching. And I enjoyed it enough that I kept going back and getting further degrees. Um, You know, first my master's and then my, my doctoral degree, my EDD. And along the way, of getting those degrees, every time I went to get the degrees, I kept saying, ugh, but I'm a dancer. I don't want to really, you know, yeah, I've got to go back and get these degrees, but, you know, this linkage of scholarship, if I could only dance my dissertation or dance my master's thesis. But along the way, doing the research that I did 
made me realize that the ability to be able to truly talk about what it is that you do and to realize that there's a level of scholarship inside of dance studies that envelops the aesthetic to the more theoretical that are so closely intertwined also became a real passion of mine. And so that's what I really try to instill in the students that your artistic self is not independent of your scholarly self, that the two form this complete circle. And so you apply yourself at every step of your career in this full circle. So thus, when the e-portfolio work became something that I was more aware of, that became this, this deeper loop for me to keep spinning for the students to both at once be artist scholars and think about their dance making and their art making in whole new ways. And it just, you know, I slowly built my passion as an educator. And I think part of the passion also has come from the years and years and years and years and years. And this is more local than it is national of, you know, other colleagues looking at me and saying, dance, you have a degree in dance or that, well, (laughs) you know, you're just dancers. And so I don't want to see my students have to confront that without being armed with the ability to say, I'm not just a dancer. Look at what I can do. What can you do? Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, you were talking about the portfolio as a way for you to get the students involved in kind of recognizing how much who they are and the research that they're doing and the choreography and the movement are so Mm -hmm. intertwined. And it's very visible when you look at the e-portfolios themselves. And um, I, that was a big takeaway for me when I came to that e-portfolio showcase that, you know, they have areas where they're really diving into their, their roots their, their history, exactly their background. exactly And then you look at the research that they're doing and it just makes the, their topics make so much sense. And then you look exactly. at their choreography and the, the movement and, you know, you get to feel that person. And um, I thought it was just extraordinary. Uh, so thank you exactly. for sharing that. Uh, clearly, no, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, the the one thing that I really try to stress to them, just as this little additional piece, is that yeah. doing, especially I think for art makers and young students who are art makers who approach dance in this case, dance in the same way that I did, but I'm a dancer. I need to dance everything. No, it's it's not that you you don't 
it's not that that's wrong, but there's so many different ways of thinking about how you dance everything. And mm. as we as educators try and develop more modalities for assessment of students that are not the straightforward written text, yes. that this e-portfolio is brilliantly perfect for those alternate methods of pluralities and modalities mm-hmm. all at one in the same time. They can put text on the screen, but they can also put videos and they can yeah. put pictures and they can put all these different ways of that assessment. And then if you go a little bit further and realize that you know, the portfolio is in a sense a performance itself. It is a composition. It is a choreography. You've carried your art making into further modalities and then expanded your ability to think about how we choreograph and how your training as a choreographer goes to all parts of your life, including your academic life that the language we learn can be broadly applied across levels of scholarship and art making rather than only existing in its little private domain of dance making. And, and there, there are actually a group of scholars across a lot of different disciplines, anthropologists, um, English professors, etc., who are also art makers who are doing the same thing with their work. They're thinking about taking their research material and finding ways to present it in an aesthetic and not unusual, but an aesthetic art making manner that can then reach out to broader audiences. That's the other part of it. E-portfolio, it's not just about allowing the students to have plural modalities, but it's about the fact that audiences who come enter their e-portfolios are entering something that's not just the black and white text and they go, whoa, wow. And then they take an interest in the research. And so it's helping with your audiences as well as with your students. Yes. And it's making that experience accessible for people that might not have valued dance as a discipline. You know, I think... Exactly. um, You know, you were talking about that, you know, being confronted with, you know, people saying oh, you're just a dancer. And I I don't think that you could look at that body of work and have that reaction. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They did And you could feel the students' pride in what they had created. And, uh, you know, it was evident in how they spoke about themselves. And I think that it will continue to serve them and the field as an advocacy tool because it is something exactly. that is um, just so important. And related exactly. to that, <laughs> Jill, I was interested in, uh, you know, what, what does dance mean to you? Oh. Wow, that's an interesting question. Um, I guess it's, you know, it's my, 
it's my way of being in the world. And, and that sounds, I know, kind of like a little bit, um, yeah. sort of like, woo, woo, woo. but it, you know, it's, it's, it's our, it's how, how do we identify ourselves? And, and I guess our identities change, you know, always over time. Well, I'm a, you know, this, I'm this age, these are my hobbies. This is what I like to do. Dance is the way that I am in the world. It's, it's, I mean, when I perform, I don't perform anymore because the, the, the part about being, and this is not true for all dancers, but it was true for me because of significant injuries when I was younger. You know, I finally reached that place where I can't dance anymore. So, but I still find ways to think about that through my research and then how I turn my research into creative art making at the same time. But mm -hmm. it's, it's, dance to me is it's my identity. It's who I am. It's, you know, you can see when you're talking to me that I'm, you know, constantly doing this because <laughs> that way of bodily expression is able to get my emotions across. I remember when yeah. I was very young, I used to say, well, when I'm up on stage, I can be the person that I can't be in public because I can let any persona come through. But as mm -hmm. I got older, I realized it's more than that. It is something that I grew up doing and became passionate about. And then the education piece came into it at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, dance is one of the many ways of being in this world that we all know. And as an educator, I understand that dance is also a way that all of us are in the world if you think about it because dance involves the body and how we present the body and you can go back in time and across cultures and see how people present their bodies which allows you a window into you know those life worlds and i guess also dance has become a way with my students who are not necessarily dancers because I do teach a general education course for freshmen and I'll get nursing students in there, et cetera, et cetera. And they walk mm -hmm. in like, ah, I have to take a dance class. No, <laughs> this is at least a fine arts class. I won't have to do, I won't have to do anything. I'll just sit here and not do anything. And they, they come into my class like, whoa, you know, I have to write a research paper. I have to do an mm -hmm. e-portfolio. And I, I get them to realize that it's through understanding the body in culture throughout time and space gives us windows into history and gives us windows into cultural realities and gives us windows into lived experiences and helps them understand the past, the present, and the potential future in ways that they never thought possible. So that's the other part of what dance means to me. It is a way of educating students and able to make them passionate about learning because we're doing it through dance and the understanding of the body. So when you made the decision, I know you mentioned that you had been dancing really your whole life. And I was curious when, you know, you made the decision to pursue that as part of your higher education, if you received support from your family and 
um, important relationships in that decision? Yes. So yes and no. And anytime, you know, everybody's family is complicated. Mine is no exception. I think my father was somewhat always ambivalent, but my mother 100% supported my decision. A lot of that was because she had always wanted to become a performing artist when she was young and she never could. So she 100% supported my ground level work in dance and especially my BA degree. It was important for her that I at least get a BA degree. Some of that shifted a little bit when I went after my, my master's and my doctorate, but not from the fact that she didn't support my dancing, but she was afraid that I would become too much of an educator. Mm -hmm. Oh, she was a little bit mm, educators. They think they're this, they think they're that. She should just be a performer. My brother, on the other hand, didn't belittle what I did, but really couldn't necessarily see the value in dance and education. You know, what is it that you really do? as an educator, and he never said it like that, but it was more, you know, like, well, you know, as scientists, we have this and this and this, and he also saw it as, you know, there are differences between quantitative and qualitative data. Mm -hmm. So navigating those two worlds was always tricky for me. I think, but it, it never changed who I felt that I was in the value. So what really began to finally change my brother's mind was um, as I started doing uh, deeper research. So as a dancer, you heard me talking earlier about how, you know, as a performer, it was always so much a part of me. And as I, while I was still able to, to be performing, I started shifting into the research and the research became my creative outlet and my way of still dancing, but through a different means. And I did a very long-term uh, research project that spanned two decades um, where I was looking at a certain group of people in Ghana and Togo, West Africa, and a certain group of people in Cuba. And this group of people I was looking at in Ghana and Togo were forcibly removed over to Cuba through the transatlantic slave trade. And I won't go much deeper into that right now, but that research project gave me the ability to um, open up in new ways. And the first way that research was disseminated was through a multidisciplinary art installation project that premiered in Havana, mm -hmm was up in Alaska, went over to Ghana, and finally wound up in San Francisco. And then as I pushed on that project to morph it into a book, I was very fortunate to be invited by the then director of the Smithsonian Center for Folk Life and Cultural Heritage to come do a lecture on my work. And that is what suddenly made my brother go, Whoa. Oh. Um, 
at no seriously <laughs> and it just so happened you know he lived in dc at the time and was able to come he my my whole family came and and it just made them really realize that there is value in dance research and there is value in what i do it took getting it took you know getting to that certain level but you know i'm okay with that cuz that is the responsibility and the role of being an educator and a creator is about you know constantly finding ways to get your work disseminated not because it is all about who i am but it's about making others realize that the research that you do is valuable and important and in this case it was a very valuable and important to my interlocutors particularly in Cuba yeah. who would tell me all the time be sure to do something with this research don't be like others who came and did research and did nothing tell the world mm. about us and when i was able to fulfill that that promise and i was able to bring them from my field site which is about 3 hours outside of Havana up to Havana to to see the art installation you know the the look on their faces at realizing that i and my team because i had a team with me followed through meant everything in the world yeah. to me to see that happen yeah. so that's kind of a long answer to you know support from my family but it all ties together this concludes part 1 of our conversation with Jill Flanders Crosby from University of Alaska Anchorage. To hear part 2, be sure to subscribe to Digication Scholars Conversations on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Digication Scholars Conversations is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative e-portfolio programs in K through 12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. This episode was produced by Drew Albanicius. Thanks for listening.